To be a Christian, to live for God, to, to uh, understand everything God's doing in our life is, is to, to understand the kingdom of God in your life is like someone who about a month before daylight savings time turns his clock forward because he knows that's where I'm going to be. That's how I'm going to live. I, I want to be prepared. I want to be ready. I don't want to deal with the daylight saving time on Sunday morning when it happens. I'm going to be there. So it's like someone, the kingdom of God is like someone who turns their clock up a, a month ahead. Now, people around aren't going to understand. Some, even family, might say, well, fine, you want to live that way? That's your life. You know, you'll be all messed up. Others will be more hostile and say, no, you can't live that way. This is messing us up. This is changing our world. This is affecting us. You can't live that way, until the time comes when the reality sets in. And that's a lot like what it means to live in our, our Christian relationship with God now, is it means that we're living sort of ahead. <laughs> we're living a set ahead. We're living in, uh, not just an hour ahead, but we're leaving, living ahead of what, where everyone else is. And they're out of sync, but they see us as the one that's out of sync. Kingdom of God is also like someone who's driving down the road and their gas is almost empty. I mean, it's, it's right at the edge. And gas stations are going by because they I can make it. <laughs> Anyone ever been like that? I can make it. I can do that. I, it, it's just a little bit further. I know I can do that. Until they start to panic and they realize, I am running on empty. And then they see that one gas station they've been aiming for, and they go into it, and they pull up, and they realize it's closed. The kingdom of God is like someone who is running on empty, and they have their hope set in their finances, or they have their hope set in their family, or they have their hope set on other things around them, or their, their retirement, or whatever that is. And when they pull in, they've been running on empty, and they think this is going to recharge them, they think this is going to strengthen them, and they find that it's closed. You know, we talk about energy a lot. At least it's on the news a lot. It's, it's around whether the prices are up or down. We're, we're really involved with, with energy, and we think about energy. This morning, I want to talk a little bit about energy and understanding that. One of the things that they, they tell us about energy, about being recharged, is if you want to... Uh, recharge yourself, if you feel like you're running on empty, if you feel like you're not really, you know, living like you want to live, one of the top things, if you go and do searches, that they say to do is to exercise. Doesn't that seem backwards? Wait, wait, wait. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I'm not doing well. I don't... It seems like the very opposite of what you should do. But yet, if you're going to reap energy, you must sow energy. And that principle is true, not only in our physical life, in our physical body, but it's most certainly true in our spiritual life. The Apostle Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1, verse 29, he says, I strenuously contend. <laughs> I, I don't want to break it all down, but there's a lot of Greek words in there that I, I try really, really hard. I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ, uh, uh, Christ so powerfully works in me. You've got to think about that verse for just a moment. I'm working really hard for all the, because of all the energy that Christ gets in me. And you're thinking, wait, wait a minute. 
if, if, if it's crisis, energy shouldn't I work? But the principle is true. As we sow, the, the power of God is poured into our lives. You see, Christ is our source. Christ is the one that renews us daily. We think it's this, we think it's that rest, we think it's that thing that we enjoy. We think about all these type of things and we, we, we look around and we say, this is what I need to do. But in the end, God is the one that multiplies who we are. Think about the story of Jesus who takes the bread and the fish from a little boy. He sold it to him. Soul. Sorry, that southern accent comes out when I lose an hour of sleep. Who, who gave it to him. And Jesus took it and multiplied it. And all of a sudden it, felt, it fed multitudes and multitudes and multitudes. Or the story in the Old Testament of the prophet who goes to the widow who's about to die, who has nothing. I always think this is such a hilarious story because if it was modern age, then it would be all over the news, you know. Evangelist, ask widow for last bit of food, last dollar, last... But that's exactly what the prophet did. He said, make me dinner in essence. The widow said, I have nothing. I'm going to feed my son with the last little bit of oil and food we have, and then we'll die. And he said, no, no, feed me first. Feed me first. And when she did, God multiplied and multiplied and multiplied her oil, her bread, her supplies, whatever, forever. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? To, to understand this principle that I'm trying to tell you, that when we sow, when we're willing to, to give back, God pours back in our life. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, puts it really clearly for us to understand. He says, do not... Do not, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God is the one that renews. But the pattern of this world is an hour behind. <laughs> the pattern of this world is not quite there. The pattern of this world says, no, 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 you better keep what you have to get more. And God says, you need to learn how to sow and give. And as you sow and give, God will reap back into us an a uh, and transform us and renew us. You see, I believe God wants us to understand that. I believe God wants us to understand what, is it, what does it mean? The world always runs on empty. It does. They're running here and there. They look full. They look like they got it all together. Then you go knock on the door and go into their house and see the brokenness or the tension or the, the strife or the emptiness or the hollow. They're running on empty. But Sometimes we get in this world so much, we do the same. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to take care of this. I got to serve God here. God, do this. God. And all of a sudden we're finding, oh, God. So what happens when you're running on empty? What do you do when you're running on empty? I believe God has an answer for us. It's simple, very practical. As we examine just a short passage of scripture that helps us understand how do I how do I change this life this pattern that I'm in where I feel like I'm always just short I'm always just it's almost e and maybe I'm trying and, and hoping that this will fix it and you pull in and you feel like and you find out that the gas station is empty see too many live on too little believers I'm talking about Christians too often we live on too little of what God really wants for us and what God wants to do in our life. Look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. It says, Jesus said, 
Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. This, what's amazing is he is speaking with the Father, has already said, Isaiah, he's basically quoting Isaiah when he says, come to me, all who are weary, all who are thirsty, all who are hungry, and burdened, I will give you rest. Do we believe that? Do we really believe that? And what does that mean? Oh, my goodness. What does it mean to have, be energized by him, to be renewed by him? How do we do that? How can I do that? I want us to apply the principle I just talked about, sowing, so that we can reap. And here it is. When you're running on empty, you need to sow hunger. Now, a lot of these are going to seem counterintuitive. A lot of these are going to say, wait a minute, uh, you know, if I'm hungry, then, you know, then I'll get it. But how do I sow hunger? I either am or, or I'm not. And that's how the world thinks, but that's not what God wants us to understand. See, we're going to be focusing on John chapter 4. And in John chapter 4, there's just this amazing story. A story of interaction that Jesus with this very broken widow with the disciples that are totally confused, which they normally are. <laughs> and then the principle and the teachings all the way to a whole town being just absolutely transformed. So in John chapter 4, it begins out that Jesus goes and he uh, is at this well and the disciples have gone in to buy food. And a woman comes... And she comes in the middle of the day, which is really odd. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to come in the cool in the evening when all the other women are there. But for some reason, she's not welcome. So she's coming in the heat of the day. She's tired. She's worn out. Jesus can see it on her. He sees that she's worn out. They have this long conversation. I wish I could spend three hours talking about this conversation and breaking it down. It's amazing. But I have to just sort of skip to the end. Because what happens is she has this conversation with him. She comes tired, she comes worn out, she comes depressed, dejected uh, by everything and by everyone around, and she leaves le leaping and running and shouting and excited and full of energy. <laughs> wow. She comes tired, she leaves happy. She leaves full of joy. Now, what she says when she goes and she's running, she says, come see, come see the man that told me everything that I ever did. Now, that's important to understand because you have to see what she's actually saying. What she's saying is this is the Messiah because one of the primary indications of the Messiah coming, of who the Messiah is, the main uh, indication is that he will be able to tell what's in the hearts of people. That's how they know. When she's running and saying, hey, look at the Messiah uh, is coming because he told me everything I ever did. What, what she's saying is, see, this is a sign. This is the first sign that the Messiah would be one who would come and be able to see the heart. In fact, it says in Isaiah 11 in, in verses 3 and 4, just a real quick real little bit. He says, the Messiah, he will, he will judge not what he sees with his eyes. It's not what he looks like on the outside. How many are glad Jesus doesn't just see what's on the outside? But he knows, he knows. He sees not just from the outside or decide on what he hears. Everybody's saying about me. What the enemy accuses me of, not just by what he sees or not by what he hears, but, he but with righteousness will judge the broken, the needy. That's exactly what Jesus did. She knew this. She knew the prophecy. She knew what it would mean 
waiting for the Messiah to come. And when Jesus read and said everything she ever did, she goes, this must surely be the sign. He saw past the pain. He saw past her hurt. He, she was uh, divorced five times in the conversation. Jesus pulls that out of her. And the man she's living with is not her husband. In those days, a man could divorce a woman just at the whim of anything. Just do that. Just, just say, hey, um, I, I divorce you. But the most common causes were probably infidelity, which they would be stoned to death for. <laughs> or the second thing would be if she was barren. So again and again and again and again, she had been rejected. Again and again and again, she had been cast aside until she thought, I don't even trust marriage anymore. And Jesus saw past that. See, Jesus knows what's going on inside your heart. He sees past all of those things. But the most important thing about this conversation is to see the progression of what she does and how hungry she is. Because it starts out, and we're going to put this up on the screen behind me. It starts out that says, that says in, in, in verse 9, she says, how, how, how? And that's what people do. How, how is this going to happen? How is, how is this going to change my life? How is church going to do anything? How, how is God going to touch my life? It starts out with a how, very simple how. And it quickly moves to where? Where is this? Where is this water? Where is this refreshment? Where is this life? Where is this hope? And then she quickly moves to give it to me. <laughs> I want that water. I want that life. Give it to me. Give it to me. I, I need that. But it didn't happen until verse, time, verse 17 when she begins and she says, in response to Jesus is leading her along this way, she doesn't do this on her own. She says the how. She says the where. And he, she even says the give me because Jesus is slowly pouring it out and their hunger is growing and growing until in verse 17 she says, but I have no, I have no husband. I have no hope. I have no life. Until you get to that brokenness, the how, the where, and then the give me won't, won't happen. Until, because hunger comes from I have nothing else. A starving man will eat almost anything. <laughs> you know, you, you see these survivor things where they eat bugs and you think, man, I'm not doing it. Yeah, that's because you got your chips in the cupboard. You can go get your chips. Come on, God bless chips. Sour cream and cheddar. Anyway, <laughs> totally got lost. The point, the point is, we're not hungry. He let her until she got hungry. She said, I have, I have nothing else. I have no hope. And then, though, Jesus kept talking to her until finally she said, I can see. I can see there's something going on here. And her eyes start to be open. When we get hungry, all of a sudden your eyes will be open that maybe God has more for me than I thought. My eyes, until she gets to the final, which it has to be, verse 25, she says, I know. <laughs> You're the Messiah. I know. this. I know that, that there's something powerful going on here. I understand. I know that there's something going on. It has to always end with the I know. That's hungry. That's hunger. You say, Greg... I mean, I just feel like I'm running, and I'm not doing anything. I'm so tired, and I'm just running on empty. You need to sow hunger. Oh, Greg, I'm hungry. No, you're not. Are you hungry? Are you hungry for God? Do you want God to move in your life? Do you want to see God touch and change and move in your life? 
then it has to say, God, how are you going to do this? Where is it going to come from? God, give it to me. I have nothing. Because now I see that you are everything, and I know. See how that goes? We have to sow hunger. This is where it all starts. If you're not hungry, if you're not hungry, you're not going to get there. You have to sow hunger. But then, after you sow hunger, you have to, when you're running on empty, you have to sow obedience. <laughs> See, it always goes there. The hung, hungry will be filled. But then, what are you going to do with what God gives you? What are you going to do with what God puts in your hand? What are you going to do with the things that God lays out in your life? <laughs> oh, God, thank you there. I'm not hungry now, though. Really? Oh, I see. Well, you're going to keep running on empty. You're going to keep being empty until you understand, God, I'm going to do what you want. See, Jesus, this is amazing. In Scripture, it says, Jesus came to this well tired, hungry, because the disciples were going to go get food. Why would they go get food? He was hungry. He was hungry. He was so tired he couldn't go with them. He was so hungry they all left him by himself. Jesus was accustomed to be by himself because he knew he was never alone. He was constantly in prayer. But they left. So Jesus is physically tired. It's, just, it's sort of an insight in understanding Jesus, who is God himself. But he is man. So he's physically tired and he's physically hungry. They left him so, and Jesus, they come back, and they come back, and, and the, it, as they returned, uh, Jesus said, I'm good. <laughs> so he's up, and he's moving around, and they go, whoa, 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 what just happened? Did any, somebody bring him some food? Why in the world is Jesus, who was tired, who was hungry, who was just, had to sit down, it literally says in Scripture, he sat down. <laughs> uh, that's powerful, because when he gets to heaven, he's going to sit down, <laughs> And that means he, he's ruling and, and reigning. He's in session. He is, he is in charge. A judge always sits. A judge comes in and sits down. Everyone stands until he sits down because that means I'm the judge. So Jesus is going to go into his session, but he's not in there now. He's tired. He's tired. He's worn out. He sits down. The disciples came back, and they could not figure out how. How is this? What happened? This will blow you away. And if not, you're not listening. Because in John chapter 4, verse 32, Jesus said, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Okay, you have to think about this. Jesus is up and moving. He was tired physically. He was hungry physically. He was fed spiritually. And then he was no longer hungry physically or tired physically. Whoa. You see, we separate way too much the spiritual from the physical. The spirit is there, and I pray here, and I'll go to church, and I'll do my, my uh, thing, and I, uh, God's good, and I'll even forgive some people along the way. So, I, I do, you know, we have our spiritual, but we are body, soul, and spirit, and it all mingles in there together. You can't separate it. You can't pull my spirit from my soul, from who I am, from my body. In fact, even in the end... <laughs> When Christ returns with all those that have been with him, the first thing that's going to happen is the dead's going to rise first, and then uh, uh, we're going to ar arise, and seeing how we're alive and well, <laughs> and the first thing's going to happen, we're going to get our new bodies. The body is so important. 
It's all mixed in there together. But Jesus, oh, this is crazy. How does that happen? How does it happen that spiritually speaking, all of a sudden, he's, now he, it doesn't mean he, he didn't eat because <laughs> he's still man. But at that moment, something happened. There was a mixture of power of the Spirit. God's Spirit in you is not just something that's mystical and weird and out there. It is who you are. It will change how you think, how you live, how you behave, how you feel, your emotions, like Lisa was praying for earlier, everything about us. If you're running on empty, it's because you're missing something. And they said, well, how can this be? Jesus explained it. He just said it. He just told us. So glad for the Scripture. Oh, man, that's so amazing. In chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus said, okay, you're confused. Let me tell you. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish it, to finish the work. Did you see what Jesus just said? Jesus said, obedience. My energy comes from obedience. I'm invigorated. I'm empowered from obedience. And this is so true because when we live a life as believers, as Christians, and we feel like we're running on empty, I guarantee you it's because we have not been obedient. And it weighs on us and it bears on us. God wants us to live this way. God wants us to think this way. God wants us to be kind here. God wants us to do this. God, and, 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 and these things that we're doing are physical things. <laughs> not just spiritual, they're physical things. And those physical things interact with our spirit. And just like the physical thing you do interacts with your spirit, your spirit interacts with the physical. See how that works? And the, and the Bible teaches us over and over. You can't just say, God, I love you, but I'm going to live this way and act this way and do this with my body. No, no, because you will run on empty. God, how do we, how do we have your energy? How do we have your renewal in our lives? It's to be obedient. To do his will, Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. It says that he humbled himself to become obedient, even to death on the cross. He humbled himself. His power was not just the Holy Spirit in him, because it certainly was, because he's God, and not just because he was God, but from what he tells us, what the Bible tells us, the energy, the power to get done everything he needed to finish the work was what? Obedience. It wasn't just willpower. It wasn't because he was carried around by angels all the time. <laughs> we believe in that. God's there. But you know what empowered him? His obedience. I'm going to do the will of the Father. I'm going to do the will of God. And I'm telling you, nothing will give you more energy. Nothing will energize who you are, how you think, how you live, where you go, and then just saying, God, I'm just going to do. Not extraordinary, um, spectacular things. Just be obedient with what God has already said in his word. Just be obedient with what God has put in your heart. Don't do that to your spouse. Don't say those things to your friend. Don't act that way to your employer. Uh-oh, now I'm, now I'm, now I'm sorry. Don't be that way to your employees. <laughs> mm. It matters. You see, because of obedience, we won't wear out. But obedience bears us up. It bears us up. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. It says, we demolish. We, you, me, me, believers, okay? Not running on empty. We demolish arguments 
against the knowledge of God and take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Do you see what it just said there? There's power in that verse. Come on, we're demolishing. It wasn't just say we push back hard on uh, those things that come against God. No, don't push back hard on those things in your life that come against God. Demolish them. Demolish them. Take them captive in obedience to Christ. Take captive these things. I, this is not going to hold me. This temptation, this sin, this doubt, this fear, this worry, this trouble. I'm going to take hold of it. I'm going to demolish it. I'm not going to allow it. I'm going to be obedient to God. I can't do anything because I'm not strong. But when I'm just obedient, he's strong in me. He, is running, he, just, he overcomes everything. If you're running on empty, maybe you missed some obedience. God said, I want you to get that. I want you to be here. I want you to say that. <laughs> and we say, oh, Greg, I'm trying, I'm trying. Okay, let's do this. This is simple. Are you hungry? Oh, I'm so hungry. Are you obeying? Wait. <laughs> Generally, you know, more than him. Oh, really? More than this one? Thank you, God, I'm not like that person. They, they, got, they, got, they got some serious issues. We have 20-20 vision for everyone else's problems. Isn't that amazing? We just see it. We know it. We got it. Well, man, your problem is this. You got to do this. And meanwhile, we're just doing our own thing. Here it is. Are you hungry? Are you obeying? But all of that doesn't mean anything without when you're running on empty, you have to sow faith. You have to sow faith. You have to believe that God is and is a rewarder of him who diligently seek him. See, now in this whole passage of John chapter 4, and I encourage you as your homework assignment, go home and read chapter 4. Just read this over and over. It'll, it'll blow you away. Because Jesus in the middle of this, it's like he changed subjects. Like, because he started talking about sowing and, and reaping and harvest. And what, 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 is, what, is, what is this all about? What, what is going on? In John chapter 4, verse 38, it's probably my favorite verse. I know, I tell you this every week. I have a favorite verse every week. But I promise you, for today, this morning, this is my favorite verse. <laughs> Next week might be something else. But I love God's word because it cleanses changes it renews and through the application of the holy spirit it actually makes me into a new person it says i sent you jesus is talking to his disciples who are still sort of confused what's going on you're not hungry where's the food who gave you bread what is this woman doing here why are you talking to a woman i don't talk to women what do you do that you know this samaritan woman and when they find out who she is and what she did, they're like even they're just, they're just they're totally confused. And Jesus says, "Let me help you understand something. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for." I love that. Now your friend thing is, wait a minute, <laughs> hey, great. isn't that just the opposite? Because aren't you saying you're supposed to sow, and if you sow, you're supposed to do that? And now Jesus is saying you're going to reap where you didn't sow. Yes. So you have to understand what Jesus is talking about here. What he wants us to understand is we, we, we do sow. And he talked about the, the sower and the reaper going out and harvesting at the same time. Right there. 
God is able. In other words, God does bigger things. God does greater things. God overflows in us. God pours into our life abundantly beyond what we can even imagine, what we can think, overflowing. That's what God does. That's the harvest that God wants us to understand. So much greater. Do you believe for that? Don't get discouraged when you don't see success. Mm-mm-mm-mm. You might be hungry and I'm obeying, but if you don't have faith, God, you're going to do it. I don't care if I'm in heaven when you do it, you're going to do it. You're going to be there. God, you're going to turn all these things around. God is able to do all of that. Don't be discouraged. Come on. We're going to be hungry for God. We're going to obey his word and we're going to believe in faith. I love Psalms 126.6. It's my next favorite verse. <laughs> You got to love God's word. It's amazing. It says, okay, those who go out weeping, isn't that exciting? Don't you just want to hear your pastor talk about going out weeping? <laughs> Hopefully, you don't do that at the end of the service. <laughs> those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow. You're sowing the seed, but you don't see a harvest because you got seed. It. it I love the way this verse just compresses it all down in God and makes it the most un unbelievable thing. If you go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, you will return with songs of joy inside, leaping in your heart, carrying sheaves of the harvest with you. That's what God does. Come on, I know that if you might be sowing it, you're sowing it. God, I don't see it. Gonna... Come on, where's your faith? You got you to sow some faith. Say, God, you're able. I'm going to cast my bread on the water, and it's going to come back to me. And I'm going to leave dancing and singing with joy in my heart. This is how God wants us to live. This is who we must be. This is how we must live. And if we're parked at a gas station where there's no hope, where there's no gas, where it's closed, that's the world. That's what the world promises. Oh, you get there, the lights are on. It's glittering, you know, 99-cent hoagies. I don't know. It's all there. You want to run there? And he's like, wait, but it's closed. It's empty. There's nothing there. It, it can even be a, what is it, Buc Bucky Beavers? Bucky's. Bucky's. <laughs> Sorry. One of them things. Texas. Texas has these gas stations that are Texas-sized. They're bigger than God. No, that's not possible. But they're big. Have you ever gone in there? They got, they got like 10 miles of just pastries. Just pastries, nothing. But imagine going to a Bucky's and you're walking in and it's closed. That's the world. That's what God, that's what the world promises. But God says if you have seed and you're sowing and it seems like it's not there and it seems like it's not happening, come on, come on. Come on, trust God. So, and you'll reap abundantly. It'll be overflowing. Last thought. Are you hungry? Are you hungry? Do you want more of God in your life? Are you looking for God? Are you willing to be obedient with anything he lays out before you? Because that's hunger. Hunger says, God, I will. God, I'm ready. God, I'll give. I'll, I'll act. I'll, I'll, I'll carry. I'll, I'll, I'll do this. I'll, I'll join the worship team. I'll work in with the kids. I'll serve coffee. I'll do. I'll, I'll be on the tech team. I'll do it. I'll do it all. God, what do you, what do you want me to do?
You say, oh, Greg, you're just trying to recruit me in your church. No, I'm trying to get you involved in being obedient because if God said don't do it, we don't want you. And if you can't sing, then this is not your calling. <laughs> you might be playing an instrument and be really good, then, then this is your calling. Well, what I'm saying is just be obedient. But add faith. Once you add faith, then you, when you're running on empty and you're tired and you don't want to do that anymore, you have to sow ownership. You have to sow ownership. I said, Greg, what's that about? I love to do people come and I, I, I listen to their words. It makes all the difference in the world. So, oh, man, Pastor, I was telling someone about your church and how excited I was and what God's doing. I said, oh, that's so good. I, that, just, that thrills my heart. You should all be doing that. <laughs> but when I hear them say, oh, pastor, I was telling someone about our church. Mm. <laughs> did you hear what I just did? Did you hear what I just changed? It went from your church to our church to my church. That's ownership. And we have to own this Christian life. We have to own it. We have to believe in it. See, the woman, the Samaritan woman, went leaping and dancing with the proof of the Messiahship. He told me everything. He knew my thoughts. He knew my heart. He saw past my pain and my weakness and my failures. He knew me. He went she, and declared it to the whole town. And the whole town came out. But that wasn't enough. And it's not enough for you. Because even as it comes out, look what it says in, in verse 42. It says, the town came out, and they said, we no longer believe. Just because you said it. <laughs> we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. That's ownership. It was good enough to hear it from the woman so that they can come and see. But in the end, just hearing it from someone else or just knowing that it's true because someone else isn't enough, isn't enough. You see, there's real energy in owning a home, right? You can rent, that's cool. And if you're renting, that's all cool, that's fine. But when you own it, <laughs> when you own it, there's a different level of care and there's a lot more work. But there's, there's, it's all there. Why? Because you own it. It's yours. It's what... And God, it, and, they owned it. They said, now you're my Messiah. You're not this woman's Messiah because she said all these things. You're mine. It's not enough because your family believed. It's not enough because you grew up in church. Whatever church. It's not enough. It's not it. There are no grandparents or grandchildren in heaven. They're all children. Do you know? It doesn't matter because of this person or that person or, or, or this is, it has to be you. I own this. I believe this. I'm hungry for you, God. I will do what you ask me so I do not run on empty. I believe by faith that you're going to fill me. It doesn't matter if I don't see it today or tomorrow or the next day. I'm going to trust in you every single day because you are my Savior. My Savior. You're my Savior. I love that. That's where our joy comes from. You're tired of running on empty. You don't have to. You don't have to. God has 
all that for us. At the very end, in the last book of the Bible, Jesus is speaking to the churches. And there's one we talk about a lot. It's the church of Laodicea and the church of Laodicea. They had a problem. The one problem Jesus said is, you know, yeah, yeah, you're there, but you're just sort of lukewarm. You know what he was saying? You don't own it. Because right after that, you know what he said? Buy from me gold that is refined in the fire. Buy from me. And that's what God, Jesus, even now is speaking. If you're running on empty, you need to own it. God, what do you want? I'm hungry for you. I'll obey whatever you ask. I'll do whatever you want. I believe with all of my heart you will do this. Because God, you're mine. I believe in you. I believe you're mine. You received the word this morning? Come on. Come on, give God thanks.